politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, our liberty, our property, to fight for the issues that matter in the way they matter and at the time they matter. If that is your interest, you have come to the right place. CR Podcast, Blaze Media. This is your host, Daniel Hurwitz, back here today for a brand new week, dead in the summer. It is the dog days of summer here in August, as Congress should be going on vacation, but you got to give them credit. They are working overtime to destroy the nation. And yes, despite the Republicans' feigned and fake opposition, it is a bipartisan wrecking of our economy, society, civilization, humanity, uh, security, you name it, liberty for sure, and we need a solution. Now, I am feeling a little bit under the weather today. I got this uh, stomach virus from the toddler, but you know what? Even when I'm sick and low energy, a low energy CR podcast is going to be more informative and more inspiring than what you heard during the entire CPAC. Look, you know, it was in Dallas, which is our home base, so our crew was there. I would have been there just to meet people and everything. And and I'm not knocking the idea. It's fine to put together a party, get to meet each other. But I've been calling for a long time for a constitutional convention-style get-together where we pray together and we begin with the premise that what we are doing is not working. The Republican Party is one with the Democrat Party. The conservative movement is subversive. Um, or at best, just ineffective, and we need to start something new. And I was thinking this weekend, it, it costs a lot of money to put something like this on, all these sponsoring organizations, all the people who travel there. Travel is extremely expensive. Hotels are extremely expensive nowadays. Imagine if all of that would have been put into this constitutional convention-style meeting, where they would come out of it with action items, Okay, so you gave a bunch of speeches. Politicians get to promote each other. Where do we go from here? What do you do? You know, here I am single-handedly trying to fight all the issues that matter in all the state legislatures, you know, all the primaries that matter. Imagine if all these organizations, with all of their respective war chests, would put that into 10 action items. We're going to all synergistically come out of here focusing on as many states as we can, getting them to do X and X on on medical freedom. We're going to have, when Republicans take over the House, we're going to at least have messaging bills to buttress what the states are doing, going after vaccine liability, things like that. But there's nothing. It's bizarre. It's just kind of like vacuous talking points. You know, it's not like broadly we disagree. I don't disagree with much that was said. I didn't really watch it. But what are you doing? What's your purpose? Okay, I mean, I don't feel well today. I wanted to take off, but I, f- I feel like there's too much to go over, and it's hard to miss a day. I'm just I'm not just in this to uh, enjoy the water. Hey, the water is warm in here. No, let's go do laps. Let's let's have a destination. Where is your destination? But the reality is the Republicans are worse than they've ever been. They have no narrative. They're not even promising like they did in 2010 to do better. Imagine if we dedicated, if CPAC dedicated all of its resources to making a difference with action items. 
just within their respective spheres of influence, within red states, within politicians that would care what they have to say. This is my challenge. You can't continue to go on year after year with the same conferences, the same talking points, the same strategies. It is worse than it's ever been. And by the way, it's showing now that Republicans are really slipping in the polls right now. You know, and, and I'm not relying on any one or two polls or whatever, but just the full picture, they've clearly receded. Not that I care, not that it matters. If anything, maybe we'll get less distracted. But it's not a wave at this point. doesn't mean it won't turn into one. But it was, and now it's receded. As of a snapshot of today, it's really no different than a typical midterm election with the Democrats having the White House. So you're going to win more seats. And given that they already have just a few shy of the majority, they'll easily get the majority back just from redistricting alone. Um, but they won't take the Senate, which doesn't matter anyway because the Democrats have a 95-5 majority there, and that's it. So the point is they, they ain't going nowhere, and the answer is because they don't even have a unified message. How do you do so poorly against a party with the weakest, most inarticulate, cognitively declining Democrat president, the worst inflation ever, the worst tyranny ever. Oh, whoops, because people don't know about it. People have moved on. Because Republicans don't make the case. They don't talk about medical freedom. They don't talk about the severity of what is going on with the gain of function and the masking and all this stuff. There's And the vaccine injury, which is, look, it's the vaccine stupid, just like it's the economy stupid. They won't talk about it. They won't promote any of this. You could crush the Democrats on this. What I'm saying is it's not even about beating the Democrats anymore. They, they won't even beat them. So over the weekend, Democrats passed their Build Back Better bill. And finally, it's trickling out a little bit more than before that it's not just a tax increase bill. They're funding 87,000 new IRS agents. Okay, this is not a tax and spend bill. This is a fascism bill to remake America with green to do it's kind of the green energy equivalent of the COVID bills of the Cures Act in March 27th, 2020. And it will basically lead to ESG, carbon credits, on all that stuff. And then they're gonna have the IRS enforce this. What do you think the IRS is gonna do? They're gonna go after political dissidents especially if you're a small business owner, very easy to trip you up in something. And then they'll hold you, they'll arrest you, they'll hold you without bail because they'll use your uh, political statements that you make, just like they did with January 6th, to hold you without bail. This is what's coming. So in other words, this is not your grandfather's Democrat tax and spend bill. All right, you let it go, whatever. We're going to win, vote Republican. We're not going to do this. You have to promise to countermand this bill. Whatever happened to repeal root and branch? That at least was the slogan. I knew they were lying, but that was the slogan of the 2010 election with Obamacare. They're not even promising. Am I wrong? I'm not even hearing Mitch McConnell saying, root and branch, we're going to repeal this root and branch. No, like, oh, this is more reason to vote. You know, they're taxing people, spending a lot of money. Maybe some will mention the IRS agents a little bit. That's their critique. Vote Republican. Look how terrible the Democrats are. They're not even promising that they're going to hold up the budget bill now 
or at least when Republicans have the House pass their budget and stand behind behind it and refuse to pass a bill that funds this, uh, you know, all these green energy programs and the IRS agents, that we will defund that. No, they're not even promising. They're not. They're, they're not creating an inflection point to etch this issue in the consciousness of the minds of Americans like they're not doing on COVID and anything else. So this is where we're left where there's clearly no red wave anymore. I mean, this is the reality. There is no red wave. Not that I care. But then it's going to be, oh, great, we took back the House, it's some progress, we could hold some hearings, pass some fake legislation that we know is not going to get through the Senate, but not use the budget bills to block it. And then even the standalone messaging bills, they'll be very tight on what they do. In other words, they're not, technically, they could pass, they could repeal the 1986 uh, vaccine uh, immunity bill and the PrEP Act of 2005. They could repeal those in the House. I mean, it doesn't repeal it, but you vote to repeal it in the House. Um, How much do you want to bet that without these organizations getting together at CPAC and saying, we're going to make a push for this, this is not going to happen? We all know that, okay? So what's the point? And then the minute they win it, oh, see, now now we need to vote Republican again to win back the Senate and the presidency, and it's all going to be about the presidential primary every day thereafter. When meanwhile, it's like, wait a minute. This is irremediably broken. We need national divorce. You already, in your own sphere of influence, have supermajority Republican areas that if you only pressured and shamed the elected Republicans, and and, and again, it's a push-pull, drove the narrative. Okay, a forward-looking agenda. And again, I'm going to come out with this a little bit more detailed later on this week with Steve Dace. How to properly diagnose what is the single biggest thing we face How did it happen? Where is it coming from? Where is it headed? And what do we need to do? I am not hearing that from any of these Republicans. It's like another day in the park. I mean, you have have mainstream media. You have Amnesty International now talking about how corrupt Zelensky is. German media is talking about how corrupt Zelensky is. And none of these Republicans, including most of the Freedom Caucus guys, who are like, oh man, he's a Churchill, and went along with the $60 billion, committing us to de facto Cold War with Russia uh, for no reason, everyone except for Hawley voting for the, you know, adding Sweden and Finland to NATO. They, they have not changed one, one iota. If anything, they're worse than they've ever been. This is a big question. What are we doing as conservatives? What is our purpose? Vote Republican, the wed wave. Shut up. Like, what was the purpose of that CPAC? You tell me. And again, there's a lot of good, decent people were there. But what, what, what do you want to do? What do you want to do other than, this is my chance to make my, you know, 50 seconds of fame with my video at CPAC or something. And there's nothing wrong with self-promotion if, if it has some sort of destination that you're promoting something for the public. You know, I don't mind that. You have to have some degree of audience to, in order to have influence. But what are you trying to influence? On paper, if you had to write an essay, what is your tour de force? What are you trying to do as a conservative writer, talker, a YouTube guy, podcaster, cable TV dude? What is it you want to accomplish? And how do you plan on accomplishing it? Uh, vote Republican in November. Look how terrible the Democrats are. Jeez. Well, anyway, given that we don't have any party to deal with 
the source of that inflation, which we know where it comes from, folks, you're going to have to be on your own to protect your nest egg from rising costs and inflation as the dollar becomes worth less everyday transition. Some of your nest egg to something of worth that has always been worth something, and that is gold and silver. I recommend of all the companies, Birch Gold, because they help convert an IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered account, not in the stock market casino, in gold and silver, so get started now, just like I did this past tax season. Text Daniel to 989898 uh, to get a no-obligation free info kit on how to convert your IRA that's probably sitting in, in some sort of you know Vanguard fund to a tax-sheltered account in gold and silver. Uh, why Birch Gold? They have an A-plus rating from thousands of satisfied customers with the Better Business Bureau. They've been around forever. So text Daniel to 989898. That's Daniel to 989898. So you go on to farm policy, okay? I want you guys to listen to this quote from uh, this clip on Fox News from Nikki Haley. Um, you know, and, and she was praising Pelosi for a trip, by the way, and everything. Take a listen to what she had to say about NATO. You know, this is what I'll tell you. You have to be able to balance multiple balls at the same time. What you're looking at with NATO, it has been one of the strongest alliances in history. And what I, you know, want to share with Americans is that you're looking at an alliance that has been incredibly strong. Finland and Sweden make that alliance even stronger. Finland's very strong militarily. But think about this. We have never had to defend a NATO country in the history of its alliance. The only time they've ever had to use their defense forces was after 9-11 when we asked them to. And all of NATO went to Afghanistan in defense of us. So there's a reason that when you look at who Russia has invaded in the past, they've invaded Georgia, they've invaded Moldova, they've invaded Ukraine, all countries outside of NATO, because that's where they go after. They go after countries of weakness. This alliance is strong. This alliance needs to stay strong. That is why Russia is staying away from it. We have to also remember, we never take our eyes off of China. Mm -hmm. China is right now trying to gobble up as much agricultural land as they can. Look at what they're doing. They're putting cables in rural areas. They just bought land near North Dakota's uh, Strong Forks Air Force Base mm -hmm. because that's a big military drone technology hub. That's where we have more of our military communications globally. We have to start being smart and be able to handle multiple threats at the same time, not take one at a time. You see that? It's almost like we owe NATO a debt of gratitude. They helped us when we were in need. What do you mean when we were in need? That was bad what we did in the Middle East. In other words, the reason why Nikki Haley matters is that it's not just that she plans on running for president. It's that Nikki Haley is kind of the median of where the Republican leadership is. State level, federal level, Nikki Haley is kind of where the, the party is not like Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney. No, that's kind of the left goalpost. Nikki Haley is roughly what a Republican establishment leader is. And that's where they all are. And they believe they, they, they believe we didn't put enough into the Middle East. We still need to be there. We still need to be in Ukraine somehow. They've learned nothing like the last couple of months never existed. NATO is still what it was before NATO and America and Europe became communist, more communist than Russia. And then at the same time, like, well, we, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We have to be tough on everyone. 
no, actually, we don't have the military anymore and the deterrent to go all out in Afghanistan and all out in Ukraine and Russia and all out on China and Taiwan. Like, at some point, you got to pick one. I'm sorry. But that has not changed. That is where the Republican Party is today. I'm sorry to tell you. That is your Republican Party. So they're not even pledging to do better. They're not even evincing an image of an election year convert like they usually do. Handful of Republicans once in a while here and there. You'll have a J.D. Vance or something that will say, yeah, you know, we need to really redo our foreign policy. America first, whatever. And again, CPAC broadly probably had some of these themes. But we're not winning this. Okay, even if you don't think Nikki Haley herself is going to go anywhere in the presidential race, maybe she will, maybe she won't. Hopefully she won't. But what I'm telling you is, this is where the Republicans are. And including most new Republicans that are being elected, even in this environment, even living in the time we're in. So you, you can't just chalk it up to a time warp that they're stuck on an old paradigm, even the new ones. Okay? They are still into this business of the whole neocon stuff. So they, they literally don't know what time it is. So this is my challenge to everyone not named me. What is your tour de force? What is your reason for existence? What are you doing here? Okay, there's a lot we could accomplish. The amount, and we're going to get to this, but the amount of data on vaccine injury is crazy. And they won't talk about it. The amount of corruption on Zelensky is crazy. After everything we put in, they won't talk about it. Okay? They won't talk about the transhumanism. Even, even the gain of function. It's like, folks, this is bizarre. Really bizarre. So we had this um, great shutdown. Okay? J just today, there's more studies out on the magnitude of the obesity from the lockdowns. You cannot imagine what taken collectively the lockdowns, the masking, and the vaccines have done to our psyche, our society, our children, emotional health, mental health, physical health. Millions dead and injured from the lockdowns, the vaccines, the creation of the virus, the blocking of treatment of the virus. This is the biggest thing of all humanity, and it's still going on, and they have monkeypox now. They have other things they're talking about. And Republicans aren't even promising a 9-11-style commission to get to the bottom of this. You know, Ron Johnson and Rand Paul and maybe a couple others had a supporting role. They held a hearing last week, and... They at least, you know, tried to get some of these scientists and doctors to talk about this. Josh Hawley also. And in response to a question here, this Dr. Quay that they had on, um, a question from Senator Hawley, he dropped this huge, huge bombshell on gain of function. Take a listen here. Are you concerned with the continuation and expansion of Chinese gain of function research? Well, I think I testified here that they, that on, in December 2019, they were doing synthetic biology on a cloning vector of the Nipah virus, which is 60% lethal. We just experienced a 1% lethal virus. Uh, my estimates would be that that could set us back a millennium 
Um, the, the Black Plague was a 20% lethal event, and it was 250 years for civilization to return. So that was Dr. Quay talking about Nipah virus. You might have heard me mention that before. That's one of the other respiratory kind of, um, you know, in the hemorrhagic fever type of viruses, more hemorrhagic fever, not respiratory, that they have in their gain-of-function arsenal. Like, they're doing that. They have done that. How how could you move on from that? Why is there no unified Republican position to get to the bottom of that? See, we're not even talking about directly going after the vaccine. Now, if you did go down this, then you would discover that this is all being done to create vaccines simultaneously, which are also bioweapons, to, you know, make a killing off of transhumanism, spread viruses even more, and then, you know, goes around the circle like we're seeing. I mean, it was a beautiful model. The more you vax, the more you the more you inject, the more you infect, the more you pax, the more you, you know, I don't know, the more you have to vax because then it creates more uh, mutations, which Paxlovid, by the way, does. So it's never ending. We got the hemor- hemorrhagic fevers that are coming down, Marburg's, Nipah. Then you have the avian flu. And again, monkeypox. No one's asking, where did this come from? And, and, and what are these vaccines? So after everything we've seen with these vaccines, now we just trust monkeypox vaccine? It just came out of nowhere and that's totally good? No, we've heard CDC people, I don't have the clip in front of me, but that CDC um, phone conversation as well as Fauci years ago, they admitted that the, the, um, the, the smallpox vaccines were a real doozy. Okay, they were a real doozy. I mean, this is something really covered up. I, From what I could see, the ACAM 2000, it's one of the smallpox vaccines, one of the two that they have in circulation now. Um, it is, I think it was effective, but it was a real doozy. The rate of myocarditis and pericarditis was insane. The COVID shots was not the first rodeo with myocarditis. People forget this. This is where the FDA themselves wanted to uh, have Pfizer produce a study on subclinical myocarditis because they noted that we found with, I believe it was it was either ACAM 2000 or the, or the Forerunner to it back in the day, had a 60 times greater rate of subclinical myocarditis than clinical myocarditis. That was a huge, huge ratio. It was estimated at 5.7 per 1,000. That's one in every, what, like 175. That was a big problem. Then there's, so, so the one they're using for monkeypox is Gynios. And if you look in their own documents, they say they don't have any data on it. Of efficacy. Nothing. Okay? There's absolutely nothing here. And um, so what's monkeypox doing? Is that one of these self-spreading vaccines? Who knows? And that's why I don't want to get wrapped around the axle thinking, um, you know, look, don't worry about monkeypox. It's only the orgies. And of course, you know, literally at the time it came out, the next month was Orgy Pride Month where they promote all this type of stuff. And that's a true statement, but I don't know. It's certainly now it's being spread by that. And based on what we know for about it in the past, it, it, it doesn't spread 
you know, more readily than that, but this does appear to be the biggest outbreak we've ever had. Well, maybe there's more orgies than we had since the last time, you know, this has been circulating. Um, but it also could be a function of, of uh, gain of function. Or is it the vaccine doing it? I don't know. But these are things that we now have to be on the watch for after everything we know. But the broader point is, how is there not endless stream of Republican ads? Look at what they did to you. Look at what they did with lockdown. Look at what they did with masks. Look at what, look at what they did with the vaccine. And, 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 and where did this come from? We have an article up at The Blaze. This is the editor, the chairman of The Lancet. This is The Swamp. The Lancet's COVID-19 commission, the, editor, the, the chairman has come forward to say that he is pretty convinced that the pandemic's origin is from a U.S. lab biotech. So it's not just, not just that it's, oh, it's the Wuhan lab and not a bat market. It's U.S. lab biotech. He also warns that even more dangerous research is happening right now, which could be why governments don't seem to be too interested in investigating the origins of COVID-19. From Paul Saka, one of our staff writers here, Jeffrey Sachs is the director of the Center for Sustainable Development at Columbia University, the president of the U.N. Sustainable Development Solutions Network, a winner of the 2015 Blue Planet Prize best-selling author and chairman of Lance's COVID-19 commission. So this is not Alex Jones here, okay? This is the guy himself saying that um, he believes this is a big problem. So why aren't we listening to him? Video went viral last month featuring Sachs proclaiming that after two years of intensive work, he is pretty convinced that COVID-19 originated from U.S., lab biotechnology not out of nature so it's a blunder in my view of biotech not an accident of natural spillover we don't know for sure i should be absolutely clear but there's enough evidence that it should be looked into and it's not being investigating not in the u.s not anywhere and i think for real reasons that they don't want to look underneath uh, underneath the rug now i don't know why he is suddenly doing this i don't know what his game is but folks he is saying what we're saying this is a very serious problem. There's nothing less than the future of humanity relies on this. And we don't need to imagine it anymore. We lived it, and we know this was not Wuhan. It might have come literally from Wuhan physically, but it was the U.S. virus, not the Wuhan virus. It was created with U.S. technology. The question is which companies and individuals inside and outside of government were involved and knew about this, and who planned what? What did they know? When did they know it? When did they start developing the vaccine? There is zero interest from Mitch McConnell and all of his ilk to ever look under the hood. There is quite literally no more important piece of investigative work that needs to be done than this. And I think we know why, because if you did it, you would realize that it's democide, that our government is worse than Joseph Mengele, they're worse than Iran, they're worse than North Korea, they did this on purpose, they, they're planning and, and already have in the pipeline worse things, both in terms of the severity, the lethality of the virus, and the lethality of the response. Remember, I told you, a lot of conservatives are like laughing at a monkeypox, they're laughing at a COVID. I think this is serious stuff. We don't need to downplay it. This is gain of function. They unleashed this. It's, it's both. It's not an either or. Like, you know, you know, do you care about the virus more? Or do you care about the, the vaccine problems more? They're both part of our indictment. 
it, it's shocking how there's no desire to even peek under the hood. And you want to know why Republicans aren't doing that well, considering what's going on. They're not even informing people of this. No one knows about this. And by the way, before I just go on with the vaccine stuff, another thing Republicans, you know, you think, oh, maybe they changed on immigration. It sounds like they're all united, finally talking about illegal immigration. But even that, it's all talking point deep. It's just that there's a great talking point. Biden's in the White House. There's a lot of chaos. It's indefensible what he's doing. So they point it out. But the same Republicans, it's not like they've changed on sovereignty. As I noted on Friday, Senator Todd Young from Indiana, but most Republicans, they're still bought into the China visa pork, the India visa pork. They, they have this myth that illegal immigration is bad, legal immigration is good. And that's a stupid thing because the Democrats could pass a bill tomorrow to let in 10 trillion people in one year legally. Okay, we'll legalize them. Okay, now, now what's your problem with it? The problem is not a technical status. It's the nature of what it is. Now, most illegal immigration is very disruptive, very low income, not producing, brings in criminal element. But you could do that with legal immigration, too. Okay, not all legal immigration is good. And it depends on the quantity. It depends on, on what's going on. But the reason why Americans are demographically gerrymandered out of entire tech fields and, and even beyond, nursing now and everything, is because we allow China and India to, for us to pay for the noose that hangs ourselves. All these companies lobby for corporate welfare. Then they lobby, take that money, and lobby for visa pork. All for them, not for the betterment of the society as a whole. Remember, historically, immigration, they actually banned contract labor, as they called it. They didn't want people coming for jobs. It was you wanted to come because you want to be American, broadly. Now, okay, you come, you choose to you, you choose to pick any job you want. But they didn't like this like like worker visa stuff. It's a new thing. Um, there's no reason you should have that. Okay, if in a country of 330 million we can't find competent people, then there's something wrong with our education system. You don't you don't bust open the doors and you know destroy yourselves demographically and sell yourself out to China. You know, to, to, to rectify that. Now, we all know there is a problem with our education system, but there also is truth to the fact that a lot of this, when they say, oh, we don't have workers, yeah, they don't have workers that, you know, you could pay, you know, the, the same way they want the manual labor, they want to pay people $5 an hour for picking lettuce. So it's the same thing with these entry-level, you know, computer jobs. They, they'd rather pay someone 50000 than 70000 or whatever it is that Americans would work for. That's what it is. So Republicans, again, Mitch McConnell and 16 Republicans passed the CHIPS Act, which gives all these Intel companies, like companies like Intel, the semiconductors, all this money. And then now those companies turn around and say, hey, not only aren't we going to hire Americans with this, but you better give us more you know, visas to bring in people who are inevitably going to be from China. Remember, China has sucked us dry all through the legal system. Okay, I mean, you, you have a concept of Chinese illegal immigrants, a few coming over the border, a little bit more overstaying visas. But for the most part, they're legal. We bring in every year we have about 360 to 380,000 Chinese nationals in our universities. And that's the pipeline where they go into our tech industries, the, the brain gain for China, the, you know, all the trade theft, all the espionage, the counterintelligence that they do. 
That was all done through the legal immigration system. But Republicans are still on these vacuous, vacuous talking points of, I, I don't like illegal immigration, but legal immigration is good and we need more of it. They have not changed one iota. And they actually have a provision to expand this in the um, NDAA as well. That will allow it, it will wind up allowing basically giving. So right now, if you're a child of a legal permanent resident, you, you don't have to leave the country. It makes sense. But if you're just a temporary worker and you have children here, when they turn 21, they have to leave the country. I mean, they, unless you have another avenue of applying, you don't automatically inherit your parents' status because it's supposed to be a temporary visa. So they're basically going to allow all those people to stay. And again, what that's going to do is picture people 21 going into the labor force. It's going to drive down wages, be a lot of foreign nationals. There's a national security element to this. Um, this is literally, I mean, Senate, even there's been bipartisan Senate reports that have shown this. This is how China, through their Thousand Talents program, look it up, Thousand Talents program, this is how they sucked us dry. And Republicans to this day, they're like, China, oh my gosh, we got to defend Taiwan. But then they don't defend our own homeland from the main frontier of the war, which is asymmetric warfare. And one of that's through the visa system. So Republicans have not changed one iota on any of this. And and by the way, you know another aspect of legal immigration? Refugee resettlement. It's 100% legal. Okay? The president gets to determine every year how many we let in. And if he decides he's going to bring in 500,000 that year, he could do that. Something that needs to be reformed. But he could do that. And he is doing that. We let in over 100,000 Afghans. I mean, the lowest of the low, the jihadis of the jihadis, we just carte blanche lifted them in here. Everyone knows that's a problem. Paul Sperry, he's a national security investigative reporter, reports that um, there were at least 324 individuals who showed up on the Defense Department's terror watch list and yet were allowed to settle inside the U.S. thanks to shortcuts and screening procedures. Remember, most of these are just going to be a bunch of mud hut munchkins that don't share our values and support jihad and their children we've done a lot of shows on this in the past usually they're busy kind of just settling but the children grow up to resent america because they have this kind of funny you know upbringing versus what they're experienced uh what they're experiencing in society and they come to resent it um that's where you're going to get all your domestic terror attacks like we have in the past so most of them are are not going to be it's not like Joe Jihad that believes like, you know, women should have female genital mutilation and believes in Sharia law, they might not be on any terror list because they might not have done anything, yet still 324 of them were. And Nikki Haley loves that. So I mean, she 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 is Nikki Haley might even be more passionate about refugee resettlement than Democrats are. And a lot of Republicans are. All these Republican governors, Kevin Stitt, Bill Lee, all these Southern evangelical Republicans, they all say, oh, that's what God wants from us. Oh, you know, you know, bastardize the Bible to basically commit national suicide, just like they did with um, and still do with jailbreak and, and letting violent criminals out of jail. I'm telling you, they haven't even changed. They don't even pretend like they're changing. They're still on to this. It's just the Biden administration is such a, such a disaster, you could easily inveigh against it on the cheap without ever being held accountable for anything. So this is basically where we are with Republicans 
doing nothing. And let, let me give you another area, the military. Again, I cannot blame the Democrats for passing this bill. They're never going to be punished for it. Because Republicans, for the entire year and a half, they've been working with them on major legis legislation. These, they've given them so many achievements. They've given them every budget bill, every NDAA, every debt ceiling. So what are you going to do to me? If they were threatening to hold up the upcoming budget bill right after recess, they come back from recess after Labor Day, that, then you have the looming budget deadline. You have the looming NDAA, the, the FY 2023 Defense Authorization Bill. And Republicans are still in the old paradigm. Spend more money on the military, not, not the quality of the military. You know, CNN's reporting the U.S. Army is developing a tactical bra for its female soldiers. What the heck? Yeah, that's really going to scare China. I mean, this is unbelievable. But no, no, no. Just, just like you can't say anything against the homosexual agenda, you can't say anything against vaccines. It's the same thing. Oh, women in combat. That's the new untouchable. Republicans will never touch it. Never. They, have, they are worse than they've ever been. And as self-describes conservatives, what is our answer? What is your answer? I'm at least trying to diagnose it and come up with solutions and say, look, at least if we focused on the states, we could flood the zone on most of these issues. But I'm not hearing that from most of these guys. I'm just not. But before we examine how we can do better politically, let's discuss just real briefly from our sponsor today, Patriot Academy, how we could do better for our own self-protection. Look, you can't deal with what the political sphere is throwing at you if you're not a you know organized political committee. But what you can do is defend yourself from rising crime. I'm just going to say this. A lot of us are all into guns, but we don't know how to use them, especially handguns. A lot of people hunt. They know how to use rifles. They don't know how to properly draw from a holster and win a defensive uh, situation that they'd be in. And the reality is that this is happening more and more. This is why, as many of you know, I am a strong supporter of Patriot Academy's defensive handgun training courses. It's a four-day constitutional defense course hosted by America's constitution coach, Rick Green, offers a unique combo of intellectual and physical training that you can't find anywhere else. Many of you have joined me in the past. Unfortunately, I cannot attend this time. I'll be at the, the next one, but this is September 25th to 29th or October 2nd to October 6th. Okay, those are the dates. Join Rick Green and Patriot Academy on September 25th or October 2nd by registering at patriotacademy.com slash conservative. Again, this is how they will train you to hone in on your marksmanship, the proper five-point draw from the holster. You get to meet patriots in this audience and other patriots around the country. It is so much fun, and it's beautiful. It's hosted at the NRA Winnington Center, Um in the mountains of Colfax County, New Mexico, in the northeast there. It's truly a beautiful country. It's also, it's nice and cool, but not like really cold yet and not really hot. So it's the perfect time to be outdoors four days of the best defensive handgun training you could imagine. A lot of you like me that are in blue states that, you know, you can now apply for a carrier's permit. That's great. But do you know how to actually win a gun battle? A very few people do, and if you're like most people that can't, this is your place to take a late 
summer, early uh, fall vacation, go to patriotacademy.com slash Daniel to register today. So, folks, then after all this, there's vaccine injury, which is the biggest issue of our time, probably the biggest issue ever, where you had this many deaths and it just goes undealt with. Just people disappearing, so much so that we literally have shortages in healthcare with pilots and no one's asking, hey, uh, why is everyone disappearing suddenly? And Republicans will not touch it. I'm pro-life, Daniel. And, and, and let me just say this also before we kind of get into some of the vaccine stuff uh, for today. You know, one of the reasons why I do think it is true Republicans are losing ground is because of the abortion issue. Now, I'm not for backing away from the fight. I'm just going to say that our other issues, first of all, are much more winning than that issue. That's that's more of a divided issue. And especially if they perceive that you're going to go after, you know, when the mother's life is in danger or after rape, that becomes a whole straw man. You know, we could explain away the Kansas referendum only getting 41% in a red state like that while the language was unclear and whatever. But the bottom line is Republicans do what they always do best is they're, they activate the other side without properly fighting. So if they would have spent the last two and a half years fighting for bodily autonomy, fighting for liberty, so it looks like they're the ones coming after your body, and then we're like, look, here, we're not telling you, you know, you have to get a procedure. It just don't kill your baby. That's different than saying you have to get an affirmative procedure to your body. That's something you could parse out. But because Republicans failed to seize the moral high ground, remember, conservatism is a full package. We've talked about this before, how when they're tough on taxes but then weak on other issues, you kind of get the worst of everything. So they're not pro-life. They're pro-life on one aspect. But this is the biggest – so anyway, that's why Republicans are really receding in the polls, one of the reasons. But this is a big issue, folks. You you have in Canada now, they're openly saying that they cannot find doctors. They have a doctor and nurse – shortage pretty serious issue and it 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 slaps them them in the face the data the anecdotes we have six canadian medical doctors who died within two weeks after the fourth shot in one place canada's trillium health partners um in in toronto and then now steve kirsch is reporting and he has the pictures and names that there's a total of 14 doctors across canada that have died young unspecified, died swimming, died in her sleep. That, that's, that's crazy. And that would be crazy on its own, but certainly when we have the data from Alberta that unknown deaths skyrocketed 57% in 2021 and that it's now by far the number one cause of death in Alberta supplanting a heart and uh, dementia, that's a big issue. So that's huge news. And then, by the way, the thing with the healthcare is, they it, it's a it's a triple whammy because on the one hand, you force people to get a jab, so the good doctors that don't they leave, so that's a shortage. Then you get the guys that get bumped off or sick. I mean, even if they don't die from it, a lot of people are getting sick from the shots. And then you have the to add insult to injury, or dare I say, in, uh, infection to injury. <laughs> The more you inject, the more you infect. So these same doctors are getting the shots again, the virus again, and that takes them off too. So you have a higher number 
of doctors at any given day that are off of work. There was a UK study a couple of weeks ago that came out that showed this immune printing that healthcare workers infected with the original Wuhan strain and then got uh, endless uh, b- boosters. So it created original antigenic sin and they kept getting the virus. So this is another big problem because you're you're not going to see you're going to see this phenomena more in healthcare than anywhere else. A because they're mandating it more. B because they're more retarded than anyone. I mean, not all doctors, but that's. You know, they're all corrupted into this and they're brainwashed and keep getting it. So this is a big problem, folks. What are we going to do about this? And then you have an earth-shattering article here from Daily Skeptic. Polls of the U.S. public continue to show that up to twice as many Americans have lost a household member to a COVID vaccine injury as have lost one to COVID. That's insane. Now, right off the bat, again, as we mentioned earlier, this is not an either or. Like, oh, so COVID's not a problem. They're both a problem. They're both created by uh, bioweapon gain-of-function research, and people need to be swinging from a tree for being involved in promoting and continuing to promote and mandate and proliferate both of them. So let me just make clear, I think they're both a problem. And that all the more requires a Nuremberg trial and at least a Nuremberg-style investigation and all sorts of state and federal legislation to create safeguards to ensuring this doesn't happen again and all sorts of laws we need to create in states to break the monopoly of these certification boards so that doctors are free to to, uh, properly practice medicine. But there is no impetus to even run on health care. It's not even in the top 10. The pooled results of five surveys of the American public now totaling over 2,500 people show that while 4.4% of respondents reported, 4.4% that a member of their household has died from COVID-19, 8.9% said a member has died of the result of vaccination. Now, again, remember, there's a reporting bias. The numbers aren't that high. No one's saying that you know 4% of all people died from COVID and who got it and you know 8.9% died of the vaccine. No one's saying that. There's a reporting bias, obviously, but it's very telling because it is somewhat apples to apples that whoever, you know, if, if you're eager to say you died from COVID, you'll answer the the pollster, you know, accordingly. If you're, you know, eager to say that you died from the vax, you'll answer the pollster accordingly as well. It's, it's almost two to one. The results also show that 8.6% said that they've been injured by the vaccination. 4.9% said that they had sought medical help and 3.2% said that they, that they had been hospitalized. While 3.6% said that as a result of vaccination, they were no longer able to work a full day or at all. So, you know, obviously the results showed that among those who reported a COVID death in their household, more than twice as many reported that it occurred after the person was vaccinated than before. So even within the COVID deaths, as I mentioned, all the COVID deaths are due to the government. It's not natural. So that's on their account, too. But actually, more than half of them, interestingly enough, are reported after the person was vaccinated. So this whole business that you don't die if you're vaccinated, you get COVID, but it's not serious. Again, we could prove this 100 ways from Sunday, but as a fascinating data point, the, the proportion who said that they had contracted COVID before the vaccination was very similar to the proportion that said they contracted afterwards. But again, the deaths went up. 
Now, obviously, the people weren't randomly selected. Um, so the samples were not inherently biased towards or against the reporting of vaccine problems. You know, though in all opinion polls, there will be self-selection bias. So that's pretty interesting. Some commentators have expressed skepticism about the results, implying they're skewed in some way. It's true that they are funded by Steve Kirsch. However, the polls are by ordinary polling companies surveying an ordinary representative sample of the U.S. population. You know, obviously they would have a vested interest in not looking like they're crazy anti-vaxxers, so to speak. So this is a big issue. Further questions raised by a sixth poll commissioned by Steve Kirsch. This one much shorter, asking only two questions, one about household members having COVID and one about them having a vaccine injury. It found 22 of the 500 reported a vaccine death versus 40 who reported a COVID death. So that one is different. So that one, to be fair, there was a sixth poll that was out of sync with the other five. So it's a small sample size. But no matter how you slice it, again, it's not either or. The virus you're getting anyway. If anything, it's been proven the vaccine makes it worse. <laughs> right? The more you inject, the more you infect. So it's not like either or. That would be, let's say the vaccine's really working, but then it causes problems, so you weigh the two against each other. But even then, like, we've never in history had, I don't know, you know, a, va- a, a virus that kills X number of people, and then a vaccine might kill slightly less, but still a significant amount. We don't put out something like that because you can't play God. But again, I mean, that ship has sailed with a gain-of-function research. You're not stopping COVID. The way to stop it is by stopping the injections, creating the viral immune escape, and then doing the proper treatment. And then hanging the people that do gain-of-function so we don't have this again. That's all we can do on that. right? So that's baked into the cake. It's not like you're stopping the vaccine deaths. This is just a way of demonstrating how broad this is. And folks, how far back does this negative efficacy go? You know, Aaron, one of our listeners, sent me from Healthland. This is an article from September 2012. Whooping cough vaccines wanes, wane over time. Oh, that's nice to know. Was this waning efficacy known at the time that DTAP was licensed? No, says Dr. Tom Clark, a medical epidemiologist at the CDC. Vaccines are studied extensively in thousands of kids before they're licensed, but... We never really know what is going to happen until we implement immunizations on a public health scale. We never expected we would be doing these kinds of vaccine effectiveness studies on vaccines that we've been using for 20 years. Vaccine studies evaluated by health experts before licensing often don't follow participants for very long. However, says, which means that the true effectiveness of immunizations over time is often not learned until they become part of the vaccine schedule. So here you're seeing even ones that were studied much more. Still, as Fauci said in that clip we keep playing about the HIV vaccine, in order to really establish something as safe and effective, man, does that take a long time. And there's other data out, I don't have it in front of me, showing negative efficacy to the pertussis vaccine. That's a very big problem because you know what's associated with, with, with uh, I'm sorry, winning efficacy. You know what's associated with winning efficacy. Negative efficacy. Okay? So, you know, whooping cough is one that, you know, all the doctors are like, man, that's one you really need now. Whooping cough has come back, probably because of illegals, whatever. Um, 
okay, so so everyone's into it. I, I, I bought into it. I got an extra DTAP when my wife was pregnant a few years ago because they said, oh, the husband needs to get it. You know, you can't have whooping cough around the kid. I bought into it. I never thought to research this. This is not some right-wing blog. You go back into the literature. This is a quote from CDC. It turns out that we've been lied to. And again, Republicans will never want to touch other vaccines. Those are sacred. But why should that be off limits? After everything we've learned about immunology and vaccinology now, we need to go back and make sure and audit each one individually and then questions of synergistic effects of them and one by one get to the truth wherever it leads us. We don't have, no, we don't have a party doing that. We have these CPAC get-togethers that are just a bunch of teeny boppers. So much for that. And by the way, one more article here. LifeSite News. Government database reveals 10,000% increase in cancer reports due to COVID vaccines. A researcher who queried theirs discovered a 10,661.4% increase in cancer reports as a result of experimental COVID-19 gene-based vaccines as compared with all FDA-approved vaccines over the last 30 years. Again, I don't think other vaccines caused cancer. I do think they caused viral immune escape, immune suppression, questions about behavioral development in kids. But the cancer seems to be unique to this because, again, Obviously, almost none of the cancers are ever going to be traced back and reported to theirs. But the few that are, you could compare to past vaccines. And that's what they did here. Brian Shlahavi, who is the editor of Health Impact News, traced his steps in the search, providing links to the documentation of his various findings. Having first queried the cases of the most common cancers that had been reported following COVID-19 vaccines, he found 837 cases of cancer, including 88 deaths, 66 permanent disabilities, and 104 life-threatening events. Um, he emphasized that even these numbers were not exhaustive and the various database could not handle the larger search of all cancers listed in VAERS under the category of COVID inoculations. Using the exact same search terms of cancer, he wrote, I then searched all FDA-approved vaccines for the past 30 years and only found 140. So 140 for every vaccine for 30 years, and he found 837 just for COVID over, you know, a year and a half. So that's that's real nice. Real, real nice. Again, that's not going to account for the su- people dropping suddenly, because that, although these sudden metastatic cancers seem to get rid of people pretty quickly, but, I mean, it's not the, you know, people dying on the spot. That's more the heart stuff, the blood clotting, strokes. But this is insane. And we have no movement that's even like there's one thing if Republicans are like, man, you know, I don't yet feel comfortable engaging, but privately we're going to investigate this, amass our research. No, there's they believe we are crazy. They sit in their caucuses and to this day they'll say, what is it with these crazies out there? You know, you're you're affecting me by not getting a vaccine. They literally say that. Anyway, we're going to be talking about the rise of the Fourth Reich this week that this is the single biggest issue facing us because it's not even just about bodily autonomy and human survival, which is pretty big, but everything else ties back into this. COVID was the opening bid of this. Remember, they've been planning this stuff for a long time. You know, fun fact, trivia, the term global warming appeared today. 
the first time, August 8th, 1975, by the way, when they were still talking about an ice age, it came from a publication of Wallace Smith Broker's paper, Climatic Change, Are We on the Brink of a, a Pronounced Global Warming, in the Journal of Science. Um, and, you know, it became more popular in the 90s, obviously, but they've been working on this for a long time. And remember, that is, if you want to know what the second COVID is, well, we have a number of candidates for that. Ukraine, we have monkeypox, we have any number of gain of function they're working on. But remember, the ESG stuff, the environment stuff, the climate stuff, energy, food, that's all part of this. And that's going to be part and parcel of this bill the Democrats just passed. I don't see any way we could stop it in the House now. And Republicans are not even promising to hold up the budget bill, hold up the NDA, or at least try to repeal it. I mean, I have not seen quotes from them saying root and branch. The point is the Republicans are worse than they've ever been. We are going to hell if we don't come up with a new strategy. And I don't see anyone else doing it, but we're going to do that. This is going to be a big week for us. As always, I need you to send this show to everyone you know. Everyone you know. This is, I, I, I think you all agree. Some of you, you know, might not even agree with me on everything. But you know it comes from the heart. It comes from unique research. And it's just different. It's it's different from everyone else's talking points. Um, I actually try to focus on what matters rather than just the pure partisan politics, which is just stupid because it's not even partisan. It's bipartisan. And therein lies the problem. But we're just getting started. Hope you guys, again, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Follow me at Telegram or on Telegram at C19TruthBombs on Getter, Daniel underscore Hurwitz. You can find our articles at conservativereview.com or theblaze.com. Until tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.